Father, again, I thank you for today. Thank you for an opportunity to open your word. Thank you for the truth that your word holds in it. Father, I just pray that as we mine through some of the gems that you would give us nuggets to hold on to, to cling to, that we would see far more valuable than anything on this earth. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What did I do? Can't say it? Can you hear me now? Hang on. This microphone is different response. Oh, different mic is coming out. Yeah, it's yeah. coming through differently. There we go. All right, we're all good now? Yep. All righty. We are going to start in 1 Timothy, as you're turning to 2 Timothy, since Ken's cheating on me. Uh, mostly this side of the room, this is going to be a new message for you. Lorraine, in this side of the room, this is going to be an old message, because last time I spoke, I spoke through 2 Timothy. So today we're going to re-preach the same message, basically. Different, but basically. Uh, before we get started, the reason I'm going to re-preach it is after I had preached whatever weeks ago that was, I met with Steve about two weeks later. We reviewed it and found out I had made a big error. So I need to ask your forgiveness and apologize, and we're going to correct that error today. The last time I spoke, there's a passage in there that talks about vain repetitious or vain babbling or nonsense talk. There's a lot of different, uh, <coughs> different translations talk about it different ways. My point was to communicate to that to everybody, and I gave the illustration of going and talking about football games and stupid things, which is vain repetitious, ungodly babble. But that is not the context that the scriptures talk about. So we're going to get into that today. So I need to ask forgiveness for those that were here. You guys weren't here, so you don't need to forgive me. But hopefully we're going to get into that today, and we're going to find out exactly what Paul is telling Timothy is vain repetitious vain babblings or janglings or whatever the different translations you may have may call it. So before we get into 2 Timothy, I don't know about you guys in the study of Acts, as I had said earlier, but it has been very intriguing to me. Um, learning a few things, but my mind works different than everybody else's mind in the planet. I know that. Uh, right now, today, my mind is like in a million different places, so hopefully God can focus a few points in for you guys. The study in Acts, especially the one with Stephen so far, it has been gut-wrenching wrenching for me, because I'm not like Stephen. So before we get into Timothy, because I think there's a great connection between the two, I want you guys to go back to the beginning of the book of Acts, and start sharing with the rest of us and me some important things that have jumped out at you. What are some of the main things that have jumped out of the book of Acts up to Stephen, and including Stephen? When the Holy Spirit dwells, works. Yeah. And he doesn't work a little bit, does he? It's a, it's a major working. When the Holy Spirit indwells you, there's a major working. Anything else? One of the things that surprised me was, was realizing that it was fellow church people that got things going against Stephen. Yeah, that was within the that, church that, that really fought Stephen. Yeah, and did, did you notice when the apostles appointed or had deacons appointed, they were to fix a problem? Do you remember what the problem was? About the feeding of the widows. Yeah, it says the widows weren't being taken care of properly, right? So appoint deacons. Stephen, take care of that. Did the problem ever get addressed? No mention of the problem getting fixed. Hmm, interesting. We'll get into that later, I hope. Anything else? Well, as we spoke before, you know, the thing with power and spirit. Yeah. The fact that it's not like, it didn't seem like it's this little transitional length of time that things were happening. I mean, Peter changed in an instant. Steve, I mean... It's a drastic change, and it's it's a change that is not it doesn't come and go. It's there, and you know it's remaining. Yeah, and, and it's noticeable. Right, it's it's evident, and it's above and beyond evident. And 
it has to challenge us like you and I have talked. Mm -hmm. you know. Doesn't leave room for, as Steve called it, the incognito Christian, does right. it? Right. I mean, it should be noticeable, should be evident, and you know, the lack of not having fear to speak mm -hmm. and proclaim. So, yeah, you just all to dwell on and ask God to work in our lives, change us to be like that. Yeah. Give us that spirit. Anything else from our study in Acts so far? They didn't beat around the bush when I spoke. <laughs> no, they did not. They got directly to the point. Yeah. Laid out the groundwork and dropped the bomb. Yeah, it wasn't warm and fuzzy messages, was it? Didn't make you feel good. Anything else? I guess the fact when they are getting arrested and all that as well, it's like, no big deal. As soon as they got out, it's like, there they go again. And yeah. they rejoiced. Yeah. They rejoiced. Hey, we were arrested for the sake of Christ. Yeah, let's go preach some more. What are they going to do? By the way, the same council that was arresting the apostles, it's the same one that Stephen went before. It's the same group. Right? It's not a different group. It's not like it's a different city. It's not like it's a different culture. It's not like it's a different century. It's the same group. Anything else? Alrighty. It's a good start. Open your Bible. First Timothy chapter 1. Jim had texted me earlier and asked me what my topic was going to be today, and I said doctrine. From Second Timothy, sound, sound doctrine. From Second Timothy, yeah, not just doctrine. Thank you, Jim. Random doctrine. Whew. That's a main point today: sound doctrine, not just doctrine. From Second Timothy, but to understand Second Timothy, I need to lay some groundwork from First Timothy, which I did not do last time that we were in Second Timothy. So, what is doctrine? Not sound doctrine, just doctrine. What is doctrine? The concept of doctrine. Okay, to make it easy, it's a truth. It's a teaching. It's what we believe. It's our philosophy. Every organization has a doctrine. They may not call it a doctrine, but they have a doctrine. This is what we embrace. This is who we are. These are the principles that we go by. Okay, All your civic organizations all have a doctrine or a philosophy that they go by. My next question. As Jim had pointed out, is sound doctrine different than doctrine? Yes. Sound doctrine that we will see today is based on truth of Christ, truth of the scriptures, what God has revealed about Christ. That is sound doctrine. Not just teaching, it is sound doctrine. It is the utmost importance. This is what you can bank on. Now, more groundwork. What are you willing to fight about? What are you willing to fight about? I'm a button pusher. I like to know what people, what gets people motivated, what gets people angry, what gets people fired up. And if I find out whatever it is, every chance I can, I'm going to push your button just to get you wound up, get some excitement. It may be fun. It may get personal at times. But I'm a button pusher. I love pushing people's buttons. Linda, staying quiet. No, I'm okay. Sorry, <laughs> and this should not be new to anybody because I think I've pushed everybody's buttons in here at least once, at least. 99% of the time, I'm just trying to have fun, just trying to keep things lively. But I'm a button pusher. So if somebody's going to push your button, what button is it that makes you want to fight? What button do you draw the line in the sand and say, nah, you're not pushing that button? I'll fight you over that one. Do you have them? Immediately, to show my age, immediately the song comes to my head, Kenny Rogers and Coward of the County. The Coward of the County, what was his name, Billy? Billy, I think. I forget. I think it was Billy. Promised his dad he wouldn't be a bad guy like his dad was who died in prison. He was going to do the right things. I'm not going to make it lyrical because then you'll want me to sing like Kenny Rogers and that won't happen. He promises his dad he won't do all the bad things his dad did. But then Billy's girlfriend gets violated. And Billy said, drew the line there. 
He fought over that. What are you willing to fight over? Is it doctrine? Typically not. How often have you gotten a fight, a physical fight, over doctrine? You may get a heated argument, but are you going to fight over doctrine? Are you going to get bloody over doctrine? Typically our answer is no. We will get in a heated argument and we'll get to the point where it is so heated, finally somebody says, okay, you want to believe that? That's fine. I'm going to believe what I want to believe, and you separate. True? End of discussion. We just won't talk about that anymore. We won't be friends anymore. We won't whatever, and there's a separation. <clears throat> Was that the case for Stephen? See, I'd like to challenge you with your thinking of Stephen and the issue that Stephen was appointed to deal with, the waiting of the dealing with the widows. That was not the problem. The problem was not the widows not being taken care of properly. Stephen knew that. The apostles knew that. We missed that. The problem was not the widows not being taken care of properly. That was the display of the problem. What was the real problem? It starts with a D. O. C. Doctrine. Right? The Hellenistic Jews believed one thing. The rest of the church believed something else. The Hellenistic Jews believed their widows weren't being taken care of properly. The rest of the church believed that they were. Problem. The problem was with what they believed. You've heard Steve say it a million times. We do what we do because we, we want what we want because we... Belief is doctrine. So in Stephen's case, in the book of Acts, the disagreement came up, not because the widows weren't being taken care of, but because of the belief behind it. Did that belief get dealt with? Yeah. Yeah. Stephen said, no, 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 no. Your, your, your belief is all wrong. And they kept arguing with him and arguing with him and arguing with him. And what does the text say? Do you remember? They couldn't answer him. His doctrine was right. Theirs was wrong. His sound doctrine was right. Theirs was wrong. They could not argue with him. So they took him before the council. Could the council argue with him? No, to the point where Stephen says, okay, guys, let's go back to Moses. And he lays it all out to the point where they become enraged, remember? So angry that they just take him out and stone him. So how did the problem get fixed? What was the resolution? Got rid of Stephen, but it also made a distinction who the believers were, who the non-believers were within the church, as you had pointed out earlier. It was within the church. It's a doctrine issue. It's a belief issue, which brings us to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> Paul, by the way, 1 Timothy. We're going to start in 1 Timothy. What do we know about Paul from the book of Acts? Stephen? He was Saul. He was the one there as the witness giving consent to what was about to happen to Stephen. And then he goes about leading the persecution, killing Christians, having Christians arrest, arrested. He is the bad guy. When you think of a bad guy, Paul, Saul, was on steroids as the bad guy. Okay, what's it say here? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. What happened? We'll get into all the details in the book of Acts as Steve, as Steve works his way through it. In a nutshell, what just happened to Saul who became Paul? Changed by the power of the Spirit. Changed by the power of the Spirit. A little change? Quantum leap change from like one extreme to the other? He goes from 
killing and persecuting to being the leader of the church that was being killed and persecuted to the point where he is now being killed and persecuted, right? By the power of the Spirit, okay? Verse 1 again, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3, as I urged you. What does urged mean? Strongly suggested, push, prodded. Does it mean, you know, hey, to get a chance. Hey, Ken, you know, I'm working on this project. You build a mirror frame for me. Ken, if you get a chance, could you do this for me sometime? No big hurry. Is that urging? No. Have you ever had a customer urge? <laughs> now. We need it now. This is priority. So Paul is telling Timothy, as I urged you, it's not a new urging. What has Paul been doing to Timothy all through, as we will see as they interact through the book of Acts on their various missions journeys? What has Paul been doing to Timothy? Urging him all along, all the time, right? As I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain on at where? Ephesus. Do we know anything about Ephesus? We have a whole book written to the Ephesians, right? Do you know what the main problem was in the book of Ephesians? There was fighting in the church. Do you know primarily which two groups were fighting within the church? Hellenistic Jews, non-Hellenistic Jews, still not getting along. Interesting. Interesting, since Paul was in the midst of that at the beginning. Hmm. As I urged you upon departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to, what's your version say? Teach strange doctrine. Anything else? Anybody else's version? Teach other doctrine. Any other version other than a strange doctrine? Different doctrine? Okay. So what is Paul urging with all his might and reminding Timothy that he's been urging him to do? What's Paul saying? Keep the faith. Don't leave the faith. By the way, Timothy, remember what happened to Stephen? I'm putting you in that same spot. It's the same problem. False doctrine. False doctrine within the church. Timothy, remember what happened to Stephen. Do the same thing. How would you feel if you were Timothy? It's like, yes, finally, I get to be senior pastor, right? We're going to have a party, big church celebration, covered dish dinner, senior pastor of the church. Is that what Paul is telling Timothy? Now, Paul is saying, Timothy, remember, we talked about this repeatedly through every missions journey, over and over and over again. I've been urging you and urging you and urging you. Sound doctrine is going to kill you. That's what the church needs. As we're going to see in the book of Acts later, isn't that exactly what the church needed? Persecution? That's what they needed. That's what we need. Paul has been and will continue to urge Timothy and as it's in print for us, Paul, through the Holy, the Holy Spirit through Paul, is urging us to do the exact same thing. Sound doctrine. Verse 3 again. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine. Why does he say certain men? It's not everyone who's doing it. There's a few. There's a few. Certain men. You know who they are, Timothy. Paul doesn't need to go into the names right here, although it's ironic he does get into some of the names. 
1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he'll go through a laundry list of some names and how they were adhering to false doctrine. So what exactly is this strange doctrine or false doctrine? Verse 4. Nor to pay attention to myths, endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is what? Love from a pure heart. Yeah. Yeah. Don't lose sight of the goal. It's not to put your foot down, say, here's the line, and I'm going to fight you at all cost. The goal is to love that brother, to teach that brother, because you don't know what's going on in that brother's heart. God may lead him to repentance. So it's, our instruction is, from, for, is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussions. Have you ever been in a fruitless discussion? Yep, we all have. It's probably like 99.9% .9 of our discussions are fruitless because the text is putting the contrast between sound doctrine and fruitless discussion. Between sound doctrine and myths, sound doctrine and strange doctrine, it's the same. Sound doctrine, everything else is a lie. Okay? You with me so far? Okay, skip down to verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul is saying, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a what? Blasphemer. What does blaspheme mean? Yeah, so it's really cursing God, cursing the doctrine of the church. That's what we typically think it means, right? Guess what? Blasphemy is another word for not sound doctrine. Anything that isn't sound doctrine, it's blasphemy. And a persecutor and a violent aggressor. This is Paul describing himself. He was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in, in unbelief. Uh, verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. Ready? Make sure you get this one. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. When did Jesus Christ come into the world to tie into our time frame today? Christmas, right? Christmas message, okay? It's about as close as we're going to get today, maybe. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Paul is drawing again the distinction, the contrast in his life from who he was to who he is. By the way, is it what he has done? How does he describe it here? Who came into the world to save sinners? Christ Jesus, sound doctrine. Verse 16, Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. What did Paul just tell us? What's the purpose of Paul's transformation? What was the purpose of Paul being the worst persecutor ever imaginable to becoming an apostle? What was the purpose? To show the power of the Holy Spirit in changing people. So no matter how bad you think you are, which none of us are really that bad, are we? Really? I mean, we are. But no matter how bad you are, the power of the Holy Spirit's better. Stronger. Look what he did to Paul. That's the whole purpose of Paul's life. That's why all this was recorded about Paul. How horrible Paul was. 
compared to how what God did in him. Okay, you got that? You with me? Okay, turn a couple pages, chapter 4. Still trying to get to 2 Timothy. <coughs> chapter 4, verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the, from the faith, paying attention to what? Deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Whoa. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, which is now, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. What does Paul just describe? Any doctrine that is not sound doctrine it is a doctrine of demons, Satan's. Our myths, our pointless studies and genealogies that he referred to earlier, our fruitless discussions, they're all doctrines of Satan. So think about your discussions, your fruitless discussions. If it's not sound doctrine, it's a doctrine of Satan. Comfortable? So, the other week when I had preached on this message, and I had shared that it was about talking about football instead of God, guess what that was? Doctrine of the devil. Uh, verse 6. In pointing out these things to the brethren, Paul talking to Timothy, talking to us, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. When he's talking about old women here, he's just talking about like the old wives' tales, the old sayings, nursery rhyme type things. There's no truth. It's pointless. Okay? So, he is telling us, what should we have to do with these false doctrines? Should we study them to find out how they're false? No. What's he telling us to do? Have nothing to do with them. Just avoid them. Don't study them. Don't embrace them. Just have nothing to do with it. Why would we study all the false doctrines when we have a sound doctrine? No Christ. Sound doctrine. Chapter 6. <clears throat> Verse 3. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with a doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes. Whoa! Well, how many of you have ever read this, these passages before? Yeah, pretty much all of us, right? Did you ever see this in there? Do you ever realize our discussions that are not sound doctrine are morbid? They just lead to controversy. Doctrines of demons. Kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? Our study through the Gospels and so far into the book of Acts that Steve is leading us through, the same theme has been repeated. Contact with Jesus, what? Demands a response. It changes you. You either get harder or softer. These verses, about sound doctrine, sound doctrine is another word for truth about Christ. I hope they're confronting you some. One way or another. Second Timothy, chapter 1, the verse we had um, confession with. For God, contrary to the world, God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, love, and discipline or sound mind. 
why has God given us that <coughs> power? Why has God given us a, a power not of fear, but of sound mind? Power of love? Power of discipline? Why has God given us that power? Bring glory to him. Bring glory to him. Okay, let's keep in context with this doctrinal issue. Why has God given us specifically these special spirit-driven powers? Know the true doctrine. To know the sound doctrine. Without that, without the spirit of the without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't tell the difference. They're all the same. It's just another teaching, just your word against mine. Well, if that works for you, well, as long as that makes you feel good. But he's given us this power, not of fear, but it's a power of love and discipline, specifically from the Holy Spirit, so that we can discern the difference between sound doctrine and false doctrine. So that we can see the doctrine of God, the Holy Spirit, compared to the doctrine of demons. Huge difference. But we cannot see that, we cannot realize that, we cannot understand that without this power of the Holy Spirit, this life-changing power, this power that we see changed Paul from, from Saul to Paul. Skip down to verse 13. By the way, if you get a chance during the week, during the rest of this holiday season, whenever you can, read through 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. This stuff is just, he is loaded with doctrine in here. We are just skimming through really fast. Uh, chapter 1, verse 13. Retain. What does retain mean? Keep, remember, don't file it away somewhere. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. Paul is saying, everything I have told you as an apostle, everything I have shared with you, Timothy, through all the years of traveling on our missions journeys, everything I've taught you is sound doctrine. We have it recorded in our New Testament. How many epistles do we have of Paul? Sound doctrine over and over and over and over and over and over again. Read Romans. Heavy sound doctrine. It's all sound doctrine. Timothy, verse 13 again, chapter 1. Retain the standard of sound words, the doctrine which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Where is this located at? In who? Christ Jesus. If the sound doctrine is not centered in Christ Jesus, is it sound doctrine? No. No. Um, I'm drawing a blank on Steve's favorite verse, the, the reference. It's Romans 11.36. All things are from him, through him, to him. To him be the glory forever. Same thing. Same thing. Okay, skip down to chapter 2, verse 11. <clears throat> It is a trustworthy statement. If we died with him, reminds me of Stephen, we will also live with him. That's encouraging. If we endure, if we persevere, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. How many of us deny Jesus? Contextually talking with sound doctrine, we deny him all the time. All the time. If we are faithless, when we deny him, are we faithless? If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Tell me some things that tell us that Jesus is faithful. Has he given us promises? What kind of promises? What's he told us about himself? What's he promised? Eternal life, we believe in him. Eternal life. We'll be with him. He's coming back. How is he coming back? Same way he left. <laughs> Same way he left. And what's he going to do when he comes back? He's going to do two different things, isn't he? One time he's going to take his people away. What's he going to do after that? He's going to come back as a judge conqueror, 
Mighty king. <clears throat> Verse 14. Again, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, there's a fight in your church. There's false doctrine being taught. This is what you need to do. Remind them of these things. What things? The sound doctrine. Jesus. Death, burial, resurrection. The crucifixion. His return, either as your Redeemer and Lord or your Judge. Remind them of these things. Solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Stop the petty arguments. That's what he's saying. Stop the false doctrine. Focus on what's important. Christ. Oh, by the way, probably going to kill you. But that's okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Steve was going through the, uh, the account of Stephen. And Jim, you had commented, what's the big deal? Stephen's going to die and he'll just be with Jesus sooner. Love that. But what's the big deal? You die, you're with Jesus sooner. Worst they, worst they could do. Send you to Jesus sooner. Stephen was cool with that. Chapter 3. Verse 1. <coughs> but realize this, that in the last days... By the way, these are the last days. <clears throat> but in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutals, haters of good, Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Who is he talking about? <coughs> is he talking about the world? He's talking about in the church. Just like we saw with Stephen, right? <coughs> Within the church there was the dispute. The church had a ton of unbelievers in it who led the rebellion, who led the assault against Stephen. Same things happening to Timothy. It's no different with us. Right here, with our, what do we count, nine people today? <coughs> Ten? It's no different. It's no different in your home. It's no different in your workplace, your community. There are Christians who are not Christians. They are... Men who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, and etc. <coughs> and how can we tell who those people are? How can we tell who they are? What's the distinction between the people who are lovers of this laundry list of things and those that are lovers of Christ? Contextually, what do they hate? <coughs> Sound doctrine. Way to hack that one out. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're good. They hate sound doctrine. That's how you know. Teach sound doctrine. Sound doctrine chases away those that hate sound doctrine. Uh, the end of verse 5 says, Avoid such men as these, because they breed hatred. They breed ignorance. They drag people away. Avoid them. Get them out of your church. Verse 10. Now you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord rescued me. We're not going to get into details on these. Steve will cover that as we work our way through the book of Acts. Most of you are probably familiar with some of the atrocities that happened to Paul on his missionary journeys and some of the mir miraculous rescues that he went through. The point Paul's trying to make here is what? Any idea? Or have I lost everybody? He's talking about sound doctrine. So he's laying out all these persecutions he's endured so far. 
Timothy, you saw most of these. You were even there for some of these. You've heard about them repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. What was the point of all this happening to Paul? It's fighting for sound doctrine. Timothy, this is going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you, Timothy. You want to stand for sound doctrine, people at Redeeming Grace Baptist Church. If you're going to stand for sound doctrine, the persecutions, sufferings are going to happen. If you follow the teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, the sound doctrine. Chapter 4. <clears throat> I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Now, remember, he's talking to Timothy, but by extension, it's also us. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Do you know what that means? Always. 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 See, as... I'm not the pastor, so I can't say as the pastor, as the, the speaker today, I can prepare a message. I can come up front, can read through my notes. I don't use notes anymore. I get distracted. We can use notes. I can deliver a message. It can be true, sound, solid doctrine. We all say amen, sing a song, take an offering, do whatever the specific church does. Close the Bibles. We walk out the door, and what happens? It's gone. It's a forgotten memory. Not only has it been forgotten out of our memories, it's never been applied to our hearts. So as the speaker, I will close my Bible and, oh, I got another message I gotta, I'm going to be speaking in uh, know, five, six weeks. Oh, I'm going to start working on that one now and work my way through. And then I come across, uh, who's not here today? We'll go with Tom Houghton. Tom Houghton, run into Tom Houghton at the mall, Christmas shopping. And Tom will say, oh, Rusty, yeah, I knew you were speaking Sunday. I missed your message. Is it online yet? No, no, it's not online. You know, push the wrong button on the thing, so none of it recorded. Sorry, Tom. Oh, well, what would you speak on? Well, um, yeah, Tom, yeah, I, I was in 2 Timothy. Well, yeah, but what verse would you speak on? Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember, Tom. I'm on to the next thing. I, I forget. Did that make a difference to me? A message that I would have spoken? Could it have made a message to a difference to you guys? Possibly. Would I have been, as it says here in verse 2, to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season? That means that whatever message that I will be sharing is something that already has to be in my heart. It's a sound doctrine that I already believe. I can guarantee you if you walk up to Steve and say, Steve, you spoke a couple weeks ago, and we just got into the, the picking the deacons, and Stephen was one of those. I got a question, and he'll know exactly what you're talking about. He'll know exactly what you're talking about. He won't have to say, oh, wait, oh, yeah, what was that? Was that in Romans? Were we in Romans when we did that study? Oh, no, that's Acts chapter 5. And he'll turn right there, and he'll start reading it to you, and he'll say, look, this is what I said right here, boom, boom, boom. And he will recite almost word for word what he said that morning here in service. Now, do you think that's because he listens to the message over and over and over again so he can remember what he said in case somebody has a question? No, it's because he already believes it. He's already embraced it. He already has it in his heart so he can preach the word so he's ready in season or out of season. So if he were here today, and I'm speaking, and I, it's my turn to speak, and I come walking through the door, and I drop over a heart attack in the back of the room, what do you do? Steve says, dude, I'll preach. I got, I'm ready. I got, I got a message. I got like 10,000 of them right here. I got the whole book. book's full of messages. He's ready to go. Does he take time to prepare a message? Absolutely. I'm not saying he doesn't. My challenge for us is, do we know the word. Can we, like Stephen, be appointed a task, Stephen, deal with this issue, and step in and know Scripture? 
Stephen blew everybody away with his knowledge of scripture, not because he had studied it intently and went to every seminary university in the world. He studied, but the spirit was working mightily in his heart. So my question for you guys, is the spirit working in your heart? Are you studying sound doctrine? Do we hear the word and walk away? Does it really change us? Being confronted with Christ demands a response. Either hardens or softens. Is the study today, sound doctrine, hardening your heart against doctrine, against sound doctrine, is it softening it? Is the study saying to you, oh man, yeah, I never knew he really talked about my false doctrine as like demonic. Pretty heavy. Okay, so yeah, you know, doctrine is a little weird, but it's not demonic. No, he says it's doctrine of demons. Or is it really buried in our hearts so we can share it in season, out of season? Are we ready to repu reprove, rebuke, and exhort with patience and instruction? How well do we know the word? So a couple weeks ago, I shared through Second Timothy. I did not get that deep into the doctrine. I kind of just missed it, even though that's like the main thing in Timothy. Paul is driving home. I hope you see that. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Paul is repeating over and over and over again. Timothy, no sound doctrine. Timothy, don't, don't worry about that. No sound doctrine. Well, what, about, what song should we sing? Don't worry about it, Timothy. No sound doctrine. The songs will come out of sound doctrine. Well, when do we take offering? Who cares? Teach sound doctrine. What color should the carpet be? We all know stories of churches with the color of a carpet, right? Who cares? Teach sound doctrine. Do we need to have carpet? Put dirt in. Plenty of churches have dirt floors over third world countries. We don't need it. We need sound doctrine. So my challenge for you guys, and we're going to close on this. <clears throat> Chapter 4 again. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. By the way, does that imply power? Preach the word. Does that imply you have to talk? Yeah. Yeah, our actions are included, but you have to talk. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Does that include like when the guys at work are being ignorant? Yeah. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. By the way, you just can't tell them that's wrong. Can't do that. Instruction. Instruction implies sound doctrine. <coughs> Teaching sound doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. What does it mean they won't endure sound doctrine? They'll fall away. What are they going to do to people that teach sound doctrine? Persecute them, hurt them, stone them. But wanting to have their ears, ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So you have truth, sound doctrine, and you have myths, doctrine of demons. But you, us, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. What is your ministry? Teach sound doctrine. Embrace it. Learn it. Ask questions about it. There's other passages in here, I didn't get into them today, which imply the concept of it's a group concept. Timothy, gather faithful men, right? Teach the faithful men who will also teach faithful men. There's a number of those passages, First, and 2 Timothy. <coughs> Do you feel drawn to other people who are sharing sound doctrine? Or when you hear this group over here talking sound doctrine, you're saying, um, what are you guys doing for lunch? or some other not-quite-sound doctrine. 
Christmas is coming. We've got two weeks plus a couple days. There are a lot of false doctrines regarding Christmas. You guys know that, right? I'm not talking Frosty and Santa. Rudolph. There is a lot of false doctrines. A lot. Like pretty much all of it is a false doctrine. What do you do with it? So here's my closing comment, and we'll close in prayer. If you have not been confronted with Christ today, if you have not been confronted in a way that says, my heart's hardened or my heart's softened, then this is a complete waste of time. Keeping with the holiday, if that's your thinking, you would be better off staying at home watching Hallmark Christmas, which I jokingly kind of call a Christless Christmas. Makes you feel good. But it has no meaning, has no value. Study sound doctrine. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for stressing in your word repeatedly how important sound doctrine is, reminding us how holy you are and how holy we are not, reminding us that we cannot do this, we cannot learn sound doctrine, we cannot separate or make a distinction between sound doctrine and false doctrine. That is only a work of the Holy Spirit. And God, I, I beg you to work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit so that we will fall madly and passionately in love with Christ, so that we can see him on every page, that we know him intimately, that we, that me, that I will know him in a way that I've never known him before, as a friend, as a king, as a mediator, as a replacement, as one who has taken my place. And Father, it's easy to say I want to know him as the one who wants to give me heaven, but it's harder to know him as the one who stood in my place, who took your wrath for me. And Father, as we come on Christmas, we get so distracted with the shopping. As the Charlie Brown Christmas says, the commercialism. <coughs> but Father, more importantly, we get distracted by the, the false doctrine. Work in our hearts so that we can distinguish between the two. That we can share who you are. That we would not fear, but that we would speak with boldness. That we would love you and your people enough to speak the truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.